right? It's it's embracing the again where you're sitting today and not holding over your happiness for when. Like, yes, you have happiness coming, let's say in the summer, right? Like I think about it from a calendar season perspective, we go to the beach every summer. I love it, but I'm not gonna sit around in December and be bummed out that I'm not at the beach and only I'm gonna be happy when I'm at the beach, right? Like I'm not playing that game. I wanna find ways to be as happy as I can be in the season that I'm in today. And part of the mindset shift is believing that is possible. That's Becky Morrison, and this is episode 225 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. I'm a coach, and this podcast is all about self-development and helping you to live a happier and more fulfilling life. And each week we hear the stories and tips from some of the most inspirational people in the world to help inspire you to make a positive change in your life. And on this week's episode, I am joined by Becky Morrison, who is a fellow coach and author of The Happiness Recipe. And what I love about this episode is Becky's really great at explaining the things that she, you know, helps people with, the themes in her book. But the thing that really stood out for me is this idea of seasons and living your life through the seasons that you're in and finding out really how to know what season of your life you're in because we forget that you know our life isn't just like beginning middle end we go through seasons and and they can be really you know obvious seasons of like a change of circumstance like covid or change of job or they can be more you know even bigger than that like becoming a parent or you know etc etc and we forget that we do live our life through seasons it's not just like a continual stream of the same thing like we live our life in seasons much like you know nature does around us And the more we can embrace the seasons that we're in and recognize the seasons that we're in, the easier it becomes to manage and deal with the things that life throws at us. So during this conversation, we also spoke about how to let go, working out your priorities in life, the connection between the body and mind and why it's so powerful and much, much more. So the aim of this podcast is to inspire. So if you like what you hear in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love. But right now, Let's jump straight in and hear from Becky. I guess that really the best place to begin is you're a coach, mm-hmm. but that's not your your background. Right? Your background is in law and, and, and as a lawyer. So how did you transition or, or rather instead of how, like what inspired your transition? Because they seem like two kind of very different worlds. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when I introduced myself as a lawyer turned happiness coach already, people are like, so many questions, right? Um, and I think I'll, I'll say it this way. So my journey to this point where I am today probably started about 15 years ago um, with what I call my bathtub moment. And that's not necessarily what it sounds like. So I'll explain. So I found myself one Tuesday evening at about 8.30 sitting on the floor of my bathroom with a notebook perched on the toilet seat closed, obviously. And my cordless phone clipped to the back of my pants because at the time this was pre-cell phones Mm -hmm. and papers spread all around me and my toddler in the bathtub. And I was busy trying to prepare uh, experts for trial while simultaneously bathing my 18-month-old. And I had two thoughts in very quick succession. The first thought was, I'm killing it. Like, I'm literally doing it all. I'm managing to be a mom and an attorney. And I'm like, I've got this all under control. And the second thought was, I'm exhausted. This is unsustainable. 
I don't want to do this anymore. And so that kicked off an inquiry that I had never really engaged in, excuse me, in my life until that point of what do I actually want to be doing? What actually matters to me? I had spent a lot of time sort of deeply marinating in the world's shoulds. Go to a good school, get good grades, get a degree, get a good job, go to graduate school, get good grades, get a degree, get a good job. And then I landed here in this bathroom in this moment, realizing I had done all of the shoulds. I had checked all of the boxes and I was not where I really wanted to be. And I had no idea where that was. So now that's 15 years ago. And then there's a 15 year path during which I took a series of what I call left turns sort of to center around this idea of what is it that actually matters to me. And um, now a couple years ago, um, decided that what really made sense for me in the season I was in um, was starting my own coaching business and helping people kind of on this same journey that I've been on to find success for themselves and find their happiness. Yeah, I love that. And I think the, the thing that really jumps out to me is, first of all, I guess, like the two the two parallel or no, not parallel, it's not the word, polar opposite thoughts, right? They're very you know the the total opposites right one is like yeah i'm killing it i am i'm the picture of mul- like multitasking right now i am the the modern day woman right and then the other one's like yeah but i'm miserable because like this picture isn't how i want my life to be so i'm interested like to hear how how you decided or how you realized which of those two thoughts was actually the right thought for you because you could you could have believed either of them right so what made you believe that i'm miserable and this isn't how I want my life to be thought. So I would love to say that I went from that moment to like full clarity, but that's not how life works, right? (laughs) So it took probably another six to eight months. And I actually had a super traumatic pregnancy loss in which I almost died. And they say that in those moments, your life flashes before your eyes. And what flashed before my eyes was conference calls and conference rooms. And I'm not even kidding. Like that's what I saw as I sort of, passed out from blood loss. And after that experience, I was like, oh, okay, I really need to pay attention. We only get to do this once. And that is not what I want the picture of my life to be. Now, that's not to say that for other people, throwing themselves into their career isn't the right choice. It very much can be. So I say it with no judgment, only to say that I got focused on what mattered most to me. And that was being able to be a more present parent. Mm, yeah I love that and I think that's those moments they do they do come along and they kind of act like a like a warning shot don't they mm-hmm. it's like I've had a very similar experience in my life where I mean it wasn't it didn't involve a bathtub and a young child but it's a very similar moment of like me realizing that I thought I had everything figured out but then admitting that I was actually very miserable and doing it and having almost like a you know you could call it a breakdown you could call it a breakthrough depending depending which way you want to see it right and the the other thing on that story that really jumps out on me is, and even on on the the kind of second part of the story, is the amount of time in between that moment and and you sort of deciding that coaching is 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 a route that you want to take and and helping people on this journey because, like you said, it's not an instant fix. It's not like oh you've had this realization and all of a sudden the next day you're like 
you know, I'm spiritually awakened now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like Eckhart Tolle and my whole life's going to change from this, this moment. It's like, there's obviously been a process in that. So what, what's that process been like in terms of like trying to utilize the time to find what you want to be doing that's going to make ultimately make you happy right regardless of the coaching and helping others get there but like what's going to make you happy versus actually i still need to look after my kids i still need to be a mom i still need to be a uh, you know a, a friend uh you know a sibling and all of those things there yeah um so i had the great good fortune of being raised by a woman who had two things one a very successful career and two um at sort of the midpoint of her career when i was a young adolescent um, went through a leadership development program where she was forced to clearly articulate what her priorities were and she came home one evening and sat i was an only child sat my father and i down Um, because she had been assigned homework to tell us those priorities and told me and my dad that work was her top priority. And I think she was afraid of how we would react to that. But here's the deal. We already knew. (laughs) She was already living it. And it's, and it's interesting when I tell that story, people um, often will react like, oh, that's terrible. Like your mom said work was more important than you. There's a difference, right? What, what she said is, Work is going to take precedence sometimes over things that we're doing as a family. That doesn't change how much I love you, right? But it's declaring that that is where my focus is going to go. And so that actually, that moment, which probably was scary for her, was super empowering for me and set up the structure for fast forward. Now I'm in this place where I'm like, oh, this is about declaring my top priority and then beginning to live it, right? And so... The way that I navigated sort of the next first step after that, you know, life flashing before me, realizing that's not the life that I want to flash before me was to say, okay, here's the deal. I'm a mom first. I'm still going to have a job. I'm still going to work full time. But when push comes to shove, I'm going to be present for my family. Um, And I didn't take radical steps, although at the time they felt radical and I made a move from um, practicing you know, being a litigator, being a practicing attorney to the admin side of law firms, which suddenly gave me tons more schedule control. I didn't have to travel as much. I wasn't at the beck and call of clients. My hours were, I wasn't billable anymore. So billable hours Mm -hmm. weren't an issue. And suddenly, and I took that job and made clear to the people who hired me that I was going to be a mom first. So when there was an event at school or when a kid was sick or when that was going to take priority. And so I did that for a decade. And it was a great fit for that season. Um, and it radically increased pretty quickly my happiness mm-hmm. um, because I was in a place where I, I was clear on what I needed. I had publicized that to the people around me and I was able more easily to make choices when push came to shove. Mm, yeah, I love that. And it's, it's I guess, having, having the clarity, isn't it, on like actually what are the priorities in my life? And it's like, you know, one of my friends talks about the, uh, I think he calls it the 525 or something like that. And he's like, write down your top 25 priorities in your life. You know, this could be anything from schoolwork to, you know, relationships to physical health to mental health, whatever it is, right? Write them down in a list, order them one to 25, and then draw a line under number five and just disregard the rest. And like those top five are your priorities. And it's like just just having that clarity on what those things are just 
it creates such a shift, doesn't it? It creates such a like change in yourself because all of a sudden you can now go, well, is what I'm doing now reflected of, of what my priorities and my values are? Yep, exactly. And of those five, right, you have a top top, like you have a number one. Yeah that's going to beat out the other ones. And that can be different for two things. That's obviously going to be different for different people, but actually maybe more importantly, that can be different over the course of the seasons of your life. Hmm. And remembering to allow that is really, really important. And, And then allowing it and recognizing it, because I think sometimes the tension of our unhappiness comes from, you know, we've been living with one list of five, something changes. And it could be a life circumstance. It could be COVID hits and we're in lockdown. And that causes those, the reordering of that, maybe that list of five, or maybe something that was number 18 on the list is now at the top of the list, right? And so when you don't recognize that, that's when the unhappiness comes. Yeah. So it's a flexibility, isn't it? And like knowing that the, they might change. So so how how would you suggest that people go about finding out what their own priorities are? So there's a couple of exercises. There's two that I want to talk about that I have used or use with clients um, that have been really powerful to getting there. And they're, they're sort of related, but different. Um, the first is sort of similar to what you described, your friend suggested, but it's really to take stock of what's actually in your life today. What are you spending your time on? And not just time, but where are you spending your energy? Where is your guilt living? Where's your frustration living? Where's your excitement living? Like, let's put it all down on paper or on post-it notes on the wall or on a whiteboard, capture it somehow, all of what is in your life. And then begin to look at what do you want more of and what do you want less of? So that's one. And that's that's where I start with a lot of clients. But there's another one that, that I have been using recently that I really like. And it's the idea of getting to your essential sources of joy. Mm. And let me explain what I mean. Often when I ask a client or a person in conversation, what makes you happy, right? One of two things happens. They'll answer in a very surface way. Like I'm happy when I'm on vacation. I'm happy when my puppy is, you know, on my lap. I'm happy when I'm playing with my kids and, and I don't mean to detract from the real happiness of those moments, but that let's be clear, that's like a top level answer. Or sometimes people will literally say, I, I actually don't, I don't really know, right? So we'll take moments in your life and vacation is a great example because almost everyone would say that vacation makes them happy, right? So if I asked 25 people about vacation and ask them what makes you happy about vacation, I get 25 different answers, right? And so I'll ask you, Alex, put you on the spot for a minute, if that's okay. (laughs) I assume you enjoy vacation. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what about vacation makes you happy? The the ability to do nothing and, and not have to feel like there's any plan or goal or necessarily anything you're trying to trying to achieve other than just to do what you want. Yeah. So if I were coaching you, right, I think we'd go for a few more questions, but in the interest of not forcing, (laughs) forcing your listeners to sit through that, there's a lot in what you just said, right? You talked about space, probably for thinking, you talked about time freedom, you talked about um, not having to have a plan. 
And so if we were working on your happiness, one thing I might say is, how could you have more of those things in your life today? What could you do to build those into your current life? Mm. Could you carve out, um, you know, Wednesday afternoons to be your plan-free three hours? Um, and so you can start to think about, and I don't know what answers you'd come up with if I gave you the, that question, and I'm sure there'd be some creative ones that are more applicable to your specific situation. But you can start to see how when we boil it down to its essence, suddenly you can take and put a couple drops of that in your current life. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, even reflecting on that, it's funny because I, I'm recording this off of the back of a week off last week because, you know, having the space and the, and almost the time to do nothing is a very valuable thing for me. And it's something I, I worked out recently was like, I operate best when I have time to do nothing because it allows me to almost reset and and, and recharge in a way. So, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting how, you know, looking, like you said, below the surface level to, to certain answers, you'll, you'll get an idea of like actually what's going on for someone, right? And I think being able to do that for yourself can be challenging, but I think there's there's so many amazing things you can do to try to understand it. But it's like, I guess I guess understanding that what your initial answer might be might not be the answer that you're actually looking for it's like what's the why behind that what's the answer below that what's the answer below that and then you get to the core of it yeah I mean I'm with I mean I, with some clients I'll even go you know five or six levels of like what about yeah. that what about that makes you happy what about and then it's inevitable that we'll get to that moment where it's like oh it's this thing this is the essence of it um and then, like you said, there's these light bulbs that go off of, oh, well, that's achievable, right? It's not achievable for me to be on vacation all the time. And frankly, I'm going to be honest, if you were on vacation all the time, you might not actually enjoy it. Yeah. But but it is achievable for me to create some spaciousness in my life to have a little more time freedom in pockets. Like, I'll give you another example. I have a client very similar to you who that was her answer. And her solution was to start a practice that she calls Sacred Sundays. Hmm. And Sundays are for doing whatever the heck she wants to do. And she's given herself the gift of that space. And it has made an, a marked impact on not only her happiness, but for her, her creativity. Yeah, yeah. No, I resonate with that. That's that's my Sundays are no social media Sundays. So it's like trying to stay off my phone and just, you know, do whatever. Like I, Even weekends in general, like I don't like to make a plan like it sounds really weird but, I mean it's easier now in, in lockdown and stuff right but you know I, I often wake up on a Saturday and I'm like oh what do I want to do today like or who's about or I'll text someone to see what they're up to or you know you know obviously when we could go out a bit more it's like who wants to do this who wants to do that but I wouldn't go into a weekend with a plan because I like not having one in a way and um, you've mentioned a couple of times the idea of seasons in in your life so I'd love to kind of dive a bit deeper into that because I know this is something that you're you're pretty big on so do you want to maybe start with describing what you mean when you talk about seasons I use the word seasons but you could use the word chapters or phases right and it's not and I I go pretty granular so it's not like I'm in the you know, I'm in the school phase, then I'm in the working phase, then I'm in the retirement phase. It's more like, what is your circumstance and your container right now? 
And really, I mean, this goes back to a little bit what we were talking about in terms of prioritization, but really understanding what are the limitations of your container right now and finding ways to live with the acceptance of that instead of resisting it. So for me, in some ways, like 2020 and COVID was a season mm-hmm. or is a season, I guess we're still in it, right? Um, and even within that, there might be seasons, like there might be a brief lockdown season. And so it's really stopping and saying, okay, the container outside of me or something about my life has changed. What do I need to change to adapt? And being a little bit more thoughtful about those transitions. Um, and I guess I picked seasons because I'm an analogy person. And I like the thought of if I dropped you somewhere cold in the winter in shorts and a t-shirt, you'd be uncomfortable. But if I gave you a winter coat, you'd be that much more comfortable. And it's the same in our lives, right? Like if we forget to recognize that we've moved from summer to winter, we're uncomfortable. And so part of happiness for me, part of resolving the gaps that are get in our way um, to having the happier life is that recognition of our container. And that's what I call seasons, so. Love that. And, and would you say then that acceptance is a big part of that? Because, you know, we, we we can often find ourselves wishing for summer when we're in winter or, you know, f- being worried about winter or, you know, being around the corner when we're in summer and we're still not accepting the season that we're in. I mean, you've got a sign behind you right now that says live in the moment. And it's that, right? It's it's embracing, the again, where you're sitting today and not holding over your happiness for when. Like, yes, you have happiness coming, let's say in the summer, right? Like I think about it from a calendar season perspective, we go to the beach every summer. I love it, but I'm not gonna sit around in December and be bummed out that I'm not at the beach and only I'm gonna be happy when I'm at the beach, right? Like I'm not playing that game. I wanna find ways to be as happy as I can be in the season that I'm in today. And part of the mindset shift is believing that is possible. So um, yeah, it is about absolutely about being present and being accepting of the situation and embracing the realities of it. Yeah. And how do you know when you're in in a different season or, you know, recognize the seasons that you've had previously? So I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode to let you know that my book, The Search for Clarity, is now also available as an audiobook. The audio is completely narrated by me and the book shares my biggest learnings and lessons that have helped me to live a happy and fulfilling life. And in it, I share plenty of stories and tips and how you can do the same. The audiobook is now available via Audible and physical copies can be bought at thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity. And if you use the code on that website, podcast 20, you'll get 20% off your order. But right now, let's jump straight back in to this week's episode. So I think part of it, right, is when what you're doing or what you're able to do or who you're doing it with or how you're spending your energy shifts in a meaningful way, it's probably a signal that you've entered a new season and that it's time to sort of, I mean, the way that I approach it is I actually put a label on that season. And then I think about what do I have on that grand list of things that are in my life that aren't a fit for this season? And what do I need to do about that? Hmm. So 
is it then do you think that we that a lot of our you know troubles in life come because we're not being focused on the season that we're in that we're kind of you know carrying ideas or thoughts around or stories in our mind from previous seasons and we're not really just okay like it's cool like okay I don't maybe speak to this person as much anymore or I've changed job or my living circumstances have changed or you know COVID has shut the world <laughs> down or you know whatever it may be just, it, it, is that something that you, you see happening a lot with people? I mean, there's no question that it is probably one of the leading sources of tension and stress and potentially unhappiness for most people. Um, not everyone, right? Like some people have developed and exercised the muscle of living in the moment and of being accepting and of recognizing the the limitations and not um, not letting that be a frustrating thing, just letting that be a thing. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. I mean, even people like... I think back to when I first became a parent, right? So suddenly my husband and I had this little human being who was dependent on us. And it took us probably six to eight months to recognize we could not continue to work, live, and socialize the way that we had been doing before we had a kid. I mean, seriously? Like, there's a baby. How did that we not anticipate this change, but we didn't? And that's a great, that's just one example, but I think it's a really tangible example of how the change can be so obvious and yet we fail to be intentional and make the adjustments that we need to manage our happiness. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what I get from this is like it's, and what, why I always say that one of the beauties of life is that it is dynamic, right? It's like we're always changing we're constantly evolving things are constantly in flow and you know there's the classic thing of like you know if you if you step foot in a river you're never going to step foot in the same part of the river twice because the, the the water's constantly moving but that's that's what life is like as well you know because we we want to be in that same place in the river all the time but it's like it's just not possible and it's like the the more you can recognize actually situations change things change people around me might change you know, and sometimes it can be really dramatically like having a child. That's quite a significant mm -hmm. shift in life, right? I can only imagine. But um, and then sometimes it can be something really small and, and seemingly less significant, like a change of job. But it's still something that you have to be dynamic to and adapt to and, 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 and appreciate what is in that season. Exactly. And I think you have to bring a level of intentionality to it that we don't typically right? I mean, it's like, again, I obviously knew we were going to have a baby. I was pregnant for nine months, right? And I had friends who had children. So I knew that it, I mean, I think I should have known that it would change things, but I, I really didn't sit down and say, okay, hey, we're about to be parents. What might that look like? What mm. might we have to shift? What might we have to change? And so it's really like, even at the beginning of COVID, right? And part of the challenge with COVID is, is we had no clear horizon and no clear path and no clear trajectory. So that was an added layer of challenge, but putting that part aside, right. I saw so many people suddenly we're operating in this entirely different world. People are working from home who weren't working from home. People are managing families in a way they've never had to manage families. People are lacking social connection in a way they've never experienced before. 
And it was not anyone's instinct to be like, okay, time out. Let me think about mm-hmm. <laughs> here we are. What do I need? What is my, what's essential to my survival and happiness in this moment? And how am I going to build my life around that in, in this moment? And people got there, but it didn't happen quickly for many people because we're just not trained to take those moments and take that intentionality. Yeah. Do you, do you think then that one of the, the the big learnings and takeaways from this whole, you know, COVID season that we've all, and and, and the kind of crazy thing about it is that we, we're all pretty much experiencing it at the same time, right? It's very rare that something like this happens. So do, do you think that one of the big learnings from that is the fact that it's allowed us to sit back and see and even understand or begin to understand the things that are essential in our lives? Because And the reason I say that is because I was thinking about this the other day on like, you know, I've not been in touch with certain friends as much as I would have if we were not in in a lockdown or in in COVID situation. So it's kind of almost pointing out to me like the people who, you know, and and this might sound a bit bad or whatever, but like who are more of a priority in my life in terms of the people that I want to speak more with or spend more time with or, or whatever. So do you think that's a big learning kind of for everyone, that idea of seeing the essential in life? I think it's a huge learning. I've, I've described this as to some people as what I think of this as, as a global era of reprioritization. Like we're all being forced to take a look at what actually matters, what, um, what is essential to us and how do we make that happen? And we're learning where our limits are for some people. Right. Um, and the other big lesson of 2020, and I'll just say this personally is the folly of planning too much. You never know where the world is going to take you. And we spend so much time and energy planning for when, and we learned just again in 2020, and it's not a new lesson, but it, but now everyone has experienced it, that it can all go away in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the one thing that I, it's really bugged me, I guess, is, is the best way to put it about this whole situation is, and you kind of alluded to it before, right, is this extra layer on top of of the COVID situation of not having a kind of time frame or a timeline on it. And, you know, often you hear people, you know, you switch on the TV or you speak to people and there's people on chat shows or on the news and they're like, oh, when things get back to normal. And there's this like idea of like when and if, does that does that add a layer to you in terms of like the 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 pressures you know that people are feeling through covid because they're constantly looking to get out of now and and trying to project their their lives into a you know a normal in inverted commas even though we don't know necessarily when that's going to be or what it's going to look like right yeah and i do i mean i think there's two ways that people have reacted to that there are people who continue to reach for the answer of what it will be like. And that is a source of stress and tension and frustration as we've passed sort of moment after moment where we thought it might be better and it hasn't gotten better or where we thought this might change and it hasn't changed. Um, Or there are people who have said, fine, I give up. There is no choice but to be in the now, right? And those people I think then can now, now we've let go of this forward-looking horizon-based kind of thinking. We're in the now, and then we can have the conversation of, okay, what are we going to do about today? What are we going to do about finding happiness today? 
And that's a pretty um, amazing shift and a powerful, powerful shift. And um, I think for me, I mean, again, speaking just personally, like that has been one of the great gifts of 2020. I am so much more present. Um, And I think I also had been heading in that direction anyway, but like, this was like, you want to be more present? Okay, here you go. Now you have no choice but to be present. Um, But I, 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 I hope I carry that with me past whatever the end of this looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned happiness then uh, and, you know, ultimately being more happy. Right. And, and I know you've got a, a happiness formula um, that's in your book. So, so do you want to kind of talk us through, you know, what that is, what it looks like, how does that unfold for people? So, I mean, at a very high level, the way I think about the recipe for maximum happiness is really pretty simple. Today, do more of what matters and less of the rest. And so simple though, doesn't mean easy. And I've identified what I call three gaps that get in the way of us executing on that formula. And we've talked about a lot of this, but the first gap I call the authenticity gap. So it's this idea that we're not actually connected to what really matters to us. And so we can't um, execute on doing more of that until we know what it is and we're willing to claim to the world outside of us, either through our words or our actions, that reality. I'm going to skip the middle gap for a second and fast forward because we're an action-based culture and we often move straight from knowing what we want to trying to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so the third gap I talk about is what I call the physical energy gap. And it's where our capacity, so our time, energy, and resources don't match our formula for happiness. We're not actually spending more time doing what matters and less of the rest. We have a hard time saying no. We um, are trying to do too much. That happens a lot. Um, Or we decide that in order to have more happiness, we just need to do more. And so we're not actually cutting anything out. Now, here's where it gets fun. The middle gap is the one that gets missed a lot. Um, I call it the emotional energy gap, but it's do we have the supportive mindset, the beliefs and the feelings that will allow us to take our definition of what matters to us and actually do more of it? So how do we release guilt? How do we build new habits? How do we, all the mindset stuff is in that middle part. And to me, that's the bridge between knowing and taking the action. So um, that's how I think about that recipe. Yeah. And I, I love that, you know, do more of what matters and let go of the rest, I think is, is so powerful. And it's funny how you kind of said all the magic is in the middle gap there, because the first thing that jumped out to me is like, well, what does the letting go look like? Like how, you know, how, how do we let go of things? Because, you know, the reason you've even put that into the, you know, the formula or the recipe as you want to call it, is like, because we struggle with that part of the process that like we can all find more time to do the things that matter the most to us but then how do we let go of the rest of it because we, we we you know have so many attachments to things yeah I mean I don't know if you've experienced this yourself but I can certainly look back at my life and think about how many times I have wanted to say no but I have literally said well I can't say no to this yeah that a is lot. a flat out lie in most cases right like except maybe where it comes to like taxes and jury service, right? Maybe you can't say no to those things, but most everything you can say no. It just might be hard. 
And so how do you get over that hump and how do you get into that world of allowing subtraction to happen so that you can really focus your energy um, on what matters to you? Yeah. What's the thing that stops us then from letting go? Because we we know that we want to do it in a lot of cases. We know that we want to say no to things. Wouldn't it be nice if there were just one thing? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's guilt. It's, um, feelings of worthiness are often under a lot of that. Like I don't, I can't, I can't, um, claim what I want because I don't, you know, nobody says this exactly until we dig real deep, but like, because I don't deserve my needs Mm. being met because I, um, am not good enough. And this will be the only opportunity and I have to grab it, even though it's not the one that I want, because, um, I mean, there's some, I talk about in the middle gap too, there's, you know, some nervous system programming and patterning that can be at play in this too. Like I was told growing up when you're given an opportunity, you take it. So all of a sudden I have to say yes all the time. And so I think there's a lot, I mean, there's a whole list of reasons why we, um, why we don't say no. And it's sort of dependent on person. And that's, to me, that's where the power of coaching really lies is in that middle gap and getting to the bottom of what is what is standing in the way what is the barrier there yeah yeah and I I think you know that's the fun bit like you said before right it's the fun bit is trying to just trying to learn that and I know you know through my own journey of of like being very depressed when I was in my mid-20s to like now where I'd consider myself you know quite happy it's like the the fun in that journey has been trying to like learn about all of those things that are stopping me and holding me back and trying to, and it's not always easy you know sometimes it's quite hard but if you if you're approaching that with a, with a mentality of like this is going to be fun like mm-hmm. it may it makes it a little bit more manageable right and I think that's that's one of the elements that we forget is we think oh no it's going to be hard like it's even you know you hear like people saying to phrases like you've got to do the work like already that makes me think like no, I don't want to do it because it's, it sounds like work now like that's I don't want to do it but it's like finding the fun in that and being like actually this can be something that I can play with and have fun with like how can I get over this idea of, of guilt or you know um, lack of confidence or you know unworthiness like you said like what try and find the fun part to it and it becomes so much more enjoyable and 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 you get so much more fulfillment out of it as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, to me, I like to think about everything in that middle gap is a little bit of an experiment, yeah, right? It's yeah. a little bit of taking what you know about the science of it and then trying different things. And I think we're so conditioned to want the solution. Um, but here's the deal. You have to, it's, it's a process of trial and error to figure out what is the solution for you. Mm. And it's different for everyone because we all come with different baggage. We come with different patterning. We come with different stories. We come with different challenges. We come with different needs. We come with different people around us. We come with different voices. Like it's, there's just so much there that can impact that, that middle piece, that mindset piece. And so really being able to kind of figure out and try the tools that are right for you. Mm, yeah. And, and for anyone who's listening who's maybe thinking you know what Becky I I totally get what you're saying like I can see that these there's these areas of my life that are stopping me from letting go and 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 doing more of the stuff that matters but I don't know where to start how would you kind of what would you suggest is 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 somewhere to start or a way that you can start to go through that process so 
I'm going to be a little unfair and say, I think that the way to start remains number one, getting clear on your season and number two, getting really clear on what matters to you. And as you engage in the work to figure out what matters to you, you will find, you will identify just by doing that process, some of the areas where you might encounter resistance. That thing that you write down on the list of things that is your joy, that feels like, ooh, that, that was scary or that was big, highlight it, circle it. That's where you need to think about what mindset shifts do I need to have here? One other really simple exercise that I will have people do after we've done the work to kind of again, establish that list of what matters is I'll have them take the most important things on that list for them and do a little exercise where they talk about, write about, journal about what belief, what would I have to believe or what would I have to feel to have this thing? Mm. And again, that helps identify where's the resistance, because if you already believe it, then you can go ahead and figure out how to make it happen. But often like, I'll give you an example. I did this exercise when I decided that I was going to be a coach. And when it came down to writing beliefs and feelings, I wrote, I'd have to believe that what I have to say is worth listening to. And I was like, well, there, there's what I need to work on, right? Like, it, it jumped off the page. There was no question. And I actually... Let me be clear now, two years into having a coaching business, I'm not actually sure that I have to believe that. Hmm. Um, what I actually believe is that I'm really capable of holding space for and being curious about other people's situations in a way that unlocks things for them. So it's not actually about what I say, but just ident- just doing that work to identify helped me figure out, oh, I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. I know what to do with that, right? I know how to go get coaching on that. I know where to find support on that. I know what tools I can deploy on that. And so... Um, I think that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. And I, I think the thing that I've noticed as well from my like journey with coaching is like what what a coach is really doing is holding a mirror up to the client or the person you're speaking with. And it's like, you know, it's not about, you know, what you say or if you say it right. It's about helping someone identify things for themselves that they might not see. And another really useful thing on top of, you know, the, the amazing example you gave there that's really helped me personally but also clients I've worked with is is to go well let's take this idea of you know whatever it may be working with so let's say guilt like and instead of going who what do I need to believe or who do I need need to become in order to get rid of it go who will I be without the guilt who am I without the guilt Mm -hmm. and that also opens up the door of like well actually now you're seeing if you can drop the guilt and leave it over there that you become a different type of person because it's like sometimes we can't we can't see you know we're very we're very you know we're still very primal we want to see a to b right and it's sometimes if you can't see it you have to go well, actually drop this thing take this thing out of the way now what does it look like and it opens up that that avenue a bit clearer for you well and you make such a good point in raising that and i had a coach actually ask me recently i a coach who coaches me i was kind of stuck on something and she's like well forget trying to solve the barrier. This is sort of the same thing. What's the expansiveness on the other side? And it was such a nice reminder, right? That like this whole notion of doing the work, sometimes we don't need to do the work. Sometimes we just need to let it go and drop it. Like you don't actually need to spend a whole bunch of time unpacking or untangling what that guilt is really about. Just go to the other side of the wall. 
right? And so it's picking and choosing what needs to be pulled on and what doesn't need to be pulled on. And if that guilt is going to keep coming up, then maybe at some point you want to untangle it. But if it's kind of like a one-time thing or even a few-time thing, just do it anyway can be a great solution. Yeah. So, so you know, do, do you think then that we have a issue with the way that we approach kind of self-development, self-improvement, because we're constantly trying to unpick and unpack and trying to make sense of everything that's happened to us like five years ago that one time when you accidentally dropped the hamster and your mum told you off and what that you know now that you're fearful every time that you're you know which we're constantly trying to unpack things instead of just like you said going to the other side of the wall and going well let me just leave that behind and just let's just go to the other side of the wall yeah I mean I do Yes, but I do think there are more people out there talking about that reality and it's exciting, right? I mean, even when I think about sort of the role that those, like like you said, those childhood patterns and those nervous system patterns play, I'm, as you, I mean, you can probably relate, right? Like we're coaches, not therapists, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, that means I'm not going back to your childhood to unpack, you know, why you don't feel comfortable expressing your anger. What, what we can do, however, is identify that that is a pattern that is causing your nervous system to be on high alert. You can acknowledge that pattern and you can speak to that pattern and tell it that it's not going to be in the driver's seat for this decision. And then you can go ahead and do the thing without ever solving that pattern, without ever going back in time and working through maybe forgiving yourself as a child or forgiving your parents or whatever the thing is that needs to happen to resolve that pattern mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be resolved it can just be a voice that is there that served you well at one point in your life but does not need to be the driving voice in your adult moment yeah t- totally totally and i think we forget as well that 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 our minds and our bodies are so in sync we kind of you know <laughs> think of them as these two separate entities right but they're part of the same being they're part of the same vehicle you know you can't you, you can't have an engine without the car and you can't have the car without the engine because you wouldn't get anywhere. And it's the same with our mind and our body. So, and this is something that I've heard you kind of explain before, like what, what, what's the kind of connection that we have there and how, how do you go about identifying the, the kind of the physical signs to something that's maybe holding you back or something that you're struggling to get beyond? So I have a technique that I like to call indicator light. And I think of it, I think about it a bit like the light in a car that comes on when you need to check your engine. Okay. Mm. And here's the deal <clears throat> without getting deep into neuroscience, because I am not a neuroscientist. I can tell you that I do know that the nervous system pathways that run from your body to your brain outnumber the nervous system pathways that run from your brain to your body by a factor of 80% body to brain, 20% brain to body. Who cares? What does that mean? (laughs) That means when it comes to, to that fight, flight, or freeze response, it almost always starts in your body. Okay. Well, who cares about that? Well, here's the deal. When we have these old patterns that are triggering us to have resistance or not do something, they start in our body. They start with a physical, not a mental perception of unsafety. And so what I'll have people do is think about a time where they know they were triggered into fight or flight or freeze. And I'll think, I'll ask them to think about where they felt it. Was it a pounding heart? Was it a tight chest? Was it something in their gut? Was it, you know, in their forehead? Was it neck tension? Whatever. There's no wrong answer. It was in my left pinky. Fine. 
then the idea is over the course of a period of time, I ask them to track on a daily basis those responses, right? So when I was headed into the conversation that I knew was going to be confrontational, my palm started to sweat before I even thought about it. When I had to tell somebody no, um, I felt sick to my stomach, whatever the thing is. And so when they, when they do that, they find their pattern. They find their indicator lights. And suddenly you have a way, a very non-judgmental way to know that your nervous system is triggered and you can give, you have two choices. You can take charge of that, give it more information, say, I understand that this is a pattern. You're trying to keep me safe. It served me in the past, but I'm an adult and I'm going to, I'm going to drive the car. You can't drive. <laughs> or you can remove yourself from the situation until you can calm yourself down. Either way you win because you're not trying to engage in important conversations, important decisions, important whatever in a place where your mind is less than optimally functional. So it's like a a silly little brain body thing, but it really just that exercise of tracking alone helps us drop from our mentalization of an issue into our actual feelings of the issue and then provides us with a way to know when we're tapping into some kind of old programming. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think you mentioned non, non-judgmental there. And I think that's a really key part, isn't it? Because it's like, we, again, we fall into the trap of like, oh, okay, well, this thing is happening. I've getting this, you know, neck pain again. And this means that this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And now this is going to, and now I'm, you know, stressed again. And now I've got all these worries. And, and, and it's like, if you just see the neck pain and go, okay, cool. I see what it is that's a warning shot. And it's like one of the ones for me, you know, I mentioned earlier that I took a week off last week. One of the the things that's like a, you know, the indicator light for me is like when I start to just feel really tired and it's like, there's no reason, you know, I sleep quite well. You know, I, I, I do a lot of work, but I also have a, a lot of relaxing time in the evening. But once I start to feel tired and overwhelmed by things that's instead of me judging that and be like well I need to actually I need to push through that and work harder and I need to do this and I need to do that I just say do you know what that means I need a break (laughs) and I I have a break yep and I have one so I have I get a pain sort of directly between my shoulder blades that some might say like is bad posture at the computer or whatever (laughs) but but it is absolutely an indication that I am trying to carry too much Mm. trying to do it all myself And so I've learned that that's what it is. And now I'm able, like when that starts to act up, I'm like, what do you need to set down? What do you need to ask for help with? What support can you call in? What, what are you doing that is, you know what I mean? That's causing that to flare up. And it's true. Just knowing that indicator light is like, oh, now I know what to do with that. As opposed to, um, like you said, kind of catastrophizing the possibilities of what that neck tension or whatever can mean. Yeah, I think it's it's with anything, right? I always see anything with like, just simplify it, simplify it. Like if your engine light comes on in your car, you're not going to go on Google and like start going, what does this mean? And how do I fix it? And what do I do? And what are you going to go straight to, you're going to phone the mechanic and you're going to go, can you help me? I need need help with this. I don't know what to do with it. Can you help me? You're not going to try and open the, you know, the front of the car and try and sort it out yourself and get your toolkit out. You're just going to go, well, I need help with this how do I make it as simple as possible? I phone someone who knows about it or I can, you know, in in other instances, it might be asking for help or, you know, taking some things off your to-do list or, you know, there's so many different things. And I think when you can almost learn to simplify 
what is actually going on by you know like what we were saying earlier by being present with it not judging it by just learning that it's maybe something that you need to let go and not carry for yourself then it it yeah like it becomes a lot easier to 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 manage and deal with that's right and and i think you also hit on something really important too like you said when you get tired right maybe there's an inclination to sort of like try to self-talk your way through it Mm. by pushing right and that is not the solution right if I, let's say like I get nervous before public speaking and that manifests as butterflies in my stomach, like the answer is not, don't be ridiculous, Becky, it's going to be fine. That doesn't help those butterflies calm down. That actually just makes them more insistent because yeah. remember, they're trying to tell you that they're afraid you're going to be unsafe. So you've just told them like, not an issue, man, sit down. And they're like, but safety, right? <laughs> and so acknowledging them, I mean, it sounds so silly, but like, and I do sometimes before public speaking, get those butterflies. And I've learned to say like, hey man, thanks. Thanks for raising the flag for me. I really appreciate it. I'm good. I got this. Like, I really thank you for bringing me that message. And suddenly it's like, they're like, oh, cool. She heard us. Message received. Now we can just, we can go back to doing our thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's like one of the things I always talk about is this idea of like pleasure and pain and you know, in that instance with the the butterflies, that's kind of like a pain warning of like, oh, safety, safety. And the pleasure is like just wanting to get on with what you want to do and enjoy it, but you can't because the pain's there. And it's like the more you push against the pain and push against the butterflies, the, the more they insist in being there and the more, the, the less you enjoy what, you, you know. So it's like, actually, when you learn to, you know, accept in, in, in a way the pain and just be like, okay, cool. Like, I see you, I get it. Like, I understand what you're trying to tell me then you can actually just ease into to the pleasure of what it is you're doing right and it's it again it comes down to just being being present and being aware of you know what's going on and you know you, we were talking earlier about seasons but like even those seasons can have mini seasons within them right and it's like even just identifying those can be like okay cool i see what's going on here and it can allow you to then continue in a way that's more joyous or more pleasurable or more you know with more clarity or fulfillment and you know all these amazing words that we hear all the time it's like you can just you just do it it doesn't have to be a big struggle you know yeah and I appreciate you bringing up the pleasure and pain too right because something I hear sometimes when I talk about or bill myself as a happiness coach is like well you can't be happy all the time right but my, my the way I think about happiness is really being able to have the tools to manage whatever comes your way, to mm. manage all the emotions, right? So that we're not fighting against our fear, our sadness, our grief, our anger, um, that we're able to, as you say, sort of like acknowledge it, take the wisdom from it, hear the messages it's bringing and be with it. Um, I think that is part of being happy or living happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, the big misconception, isn't it? It's like people always say similar things to me, like, oh, like you're always so positive and you know, you, you share so much positivity. And I'm like, well, I don't always feel positive. <laughs> like it's just I I, you know, in a way I just accept that sometimes things aren't gonna be fantastic all the time. And it's like if I can accept that, then I can, you know, more often than not get beyond them quicker than perhaps if I, you know, fought against them and put, like I was saying before, try and push them away, they're just going to push back harder. So it's like, if you can just be with them a bit more, it's like you, the positivity or the, you know, the happiness in, in your case, it, it comes through by itself. You don't need to try and force it through by trying to push away the thing you don't want. Correct. You're not chasing it by pushing. I agree. Yeah. 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 Um, 
so yeah, Becky, I mean, this has been a really fantastic conversation and, and I'm really excited to, you know, read the book in full because I've only, I've only read a sample and, 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 you know, heard some of the things that you've talked about on other podcasts and stuff. So, um, do you want to let people know more about where they can find out about you and how they can get hold of the book and anything else you want to shout about? So I'll keep it super brief. The easiest way to find me is to head to my website, which is called untanglehappiness.com. And there you can learn more about the book. You can download the same free download that Alex read. Um, It also has a link to purchase the book on, or I should say pre-order the book on Amazon. The book officially comes out on April 6th. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you so much for the wisdom and and, and the gems that you've kind of dropped during this chat. And um, yeah, I wish you all the best with the book. I'm sure it's going to go on to help a lot of people. That's the hope. Thanks again for this chance to talk. It was great. Pleasure. So there we have it. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Becky Morrison. If you did and you like what you heard, then please be sure to leave a review. And even better still, hit the subscribe button so that you get the latest episode straight to your phone. And if you know someone who you think would really benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send them the link or a screenshot so that they can listen to this episode today because it's important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this. I started this podcast to help inspire a positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing this episode with someone you know today and sending them a little personal note on why you think they would benefit from hearing this episode. I'd like to thank Ryan Nile from Pure Creation Media for producing and editing this episode. And as ever, you can connect with me on Instagram and TikTok at IamAlexManzi. Come and say hello and come and let me know what you got from this episode. Thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode. <laughs>